Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you uh, for your word. That the entrance of your word is life and light, and it's actual medicine to our bodies. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your spirit. God, we thank you that you've given us all a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that you've opened the eyes of our understanding so we know the hope and the plan of your calling on our lives, the riches of your glory and the inheritance of the saints, and the power that you've given to us as believers. So, Father, we thank you for tonight. We, uh, we cultivate the soil. We're ready to receive and plant some seeds. We love you, Lord. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. amen. So it's communion. Um, we're talking about healing, right? Uh, so I'd like to approach it from, uh, from the angle of mind renewal. Um, and that's a pretty umbrella approach. I say that because anything that you deal with when it comes to uh, believing God for provision, for healing, for his will, for his calling, whatever that is, you're going to have to renew your mind. Uh, because the Bible says the carnal mind is what? It's an enemy, right? And, and even if it wanted to, it can't. It can't go uh, with the grain of what God has for us, okay? Uh, you have to think spiritually. So um, just a quick recap. Um, I've got a, let me move this because I like to walk around. I'll move it back, I promise. Um, I've got a graphic that I, I usually show every time I preach. I'm probably going to show this every single time until God says not to show it anymore. But it, it, it summarizes a lot of information, and it's very helpful. And this is pretty much ingrained in my head whenever I do anything. So um, we are a three-dimensional being. What does that mean? It means that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, right? And you can see there that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword piercing through spirit and soul. That's scripture, Hebrews 4.12. I put that there for a reason. If you look at that, uh, that incision that it's making, consider that your Bible, an open Bible, all right? When you expose yourself to the word of God, what you're doing is you're allowing the spirit to cut through into your mind, into your soul, and establish itself, establish those truths, um, and create truth, uh, in your soul, so that when things come at your body uh, through your senses, whatever that looks like, a uh, situation, a circumstance, healing, for instance, when a symptom comes up, um, you don't look at it with just your soul. When you keep that pathway open, Jesus said, I'm the door. When you keep that door open, uh, the Spirit, it, 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 it's able to take your thoughts captive and bring themselves, bring your thoughts to the obedience of Christ. All this is scripture, but this visual really helps me. I, I put it up there a lot. Um, just because, I don't know, it just helps, and I think it'll bless you. So uh, with that in mind, um, tonight I want to talk about healing and how there's a difference between uh, seeing things spiritually and seeing things naturally. That's pretty basic, right? There's a supernatural, there's a, 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 God puts the super in our natural, right? Um, So let's go ahead and turn to Genesis 3, and I'll explain it a little further. Genesis 3, we'll start at verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, uh, which the Lord God had made. He had said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, well, 
you will surely, you, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise. So she took the fruit and ate. She also gave her, uh, excuse me. She also gave her to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. So uh, just verse one through seven, but we're going to break it up. So serpent comes into the garden. All right. At this point in time, male and female have been, have been created. Um, what is the first thing that the enemy does? If you ever get, if you're, if you're reading the word, you're looking for revelation, right? For God to reveal something to you from his divine being through the word to you. The first thing you do is you read it, you expose your soul to it, correct? So what, one of the things that the enemy likes to do is he, like, he likes to test that knowledge. Uh, so the first thing he did was, hey, has God really said that? And if you don't establish the word in your heart, if you don't elevate this in your life, the word, the actual words and the God's thoughts, right? You want, to, you want to think like God, read his thoughts, right? So if you're not elevating this in your life and keeping this and, and, and holding this in high regard, um, anytime the enemy comes up to you and says, hey, did he really say that? You're not sure. Sure, it's lip service. It's easy to talk about here uh, at church with other believers because everybody talks like we do. But when you're in some of the scenarios that I'm in, especially in, in uh, the jail, I work with the kids in the juvenile justice system. A lot of those kids have never heard the word before. They ask some pretty hard-hitting questions. You'd be surprised. Um, but the reality of it is I can believe it and I can talk about it, but the, the truth will not get, get out of me, uh, through my body. Th- the power will not be released if it's not established in me. And any question that, that the enemy may come to you with, especially in regards to healing, um, it, it won't work. It, I don't know how else to put it. It just won't hold any weight. And, um, it, it, well, let's keep going. Cause I could go off on that. And the woman said to the serpent, well, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, uh, but the one in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So this may be nitpicking on my part, but if you actually go back to Genesis 2, uh, when um, God is telling Adam, you can't eat from the tree of the garden, he doesn't really say anything about touching that. And also after that, um, he says that to Adam, and then he takes the rib, makes the woman, right? So if, as far as we know, Eve could be receiving secondhand knowledge, right? Or maybe she took for granted something that Adam said, hey, God said this. And she was like, oh, okay, cool. Garden, don't touch it, right? Adam's like, I didn't say that, right? But reality of it is she could be receiving information that she hasn't had rooted in her. So when he asked her, hey, is this really what God says? She's like, yeah, yeah, uh, he, he said this and, 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 and we can't touch it either. And so uh, another example of how the word has not really been established or rooted, right? Um, moving on. He said, well, surely you won't die. God knows that in the day uh, that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So now we veer into, uh, it talks about seeing here, eyes. Um, and at this point in time, he's not talking about her physical eyes, right? Like it's not like she's walking around eating, just kind of with her eyes closed or sewn shut or whatever, just trying to figure out of it. He's saying your eyes will be open, right? So clearly there's an eyes of understanding, Right. So uh, moving on, then, uh, so when the woman saw the tree, that it was good for food, so this is her seeing it with her physical eyes, good for food, meaning what? Sustenance. She's probably looking for bruises, uh, 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 worms, I don't know, holes, blemishes, whatever. It's funny, anytime I go grocery shopping, Kayla's really like the nutrition specialist at our house. I just go by the scripture, I can eat any deadly poison, it won't harm me. So I just eat whatever. (laughs) I'll eat whatever. But it's funny because anytime I go grocery shopping, I, I, I do it because, you know, 
I want to help. I want to, right? But she's at the point where she's like, I got it. I got this. Because I'll come home with a bag full of rotten apples. She's like, did you flip it over? And there's like bruises everywhere. I just grab a bag and move on. And apparently it's just wrong to grab a bag. You got to actually inspect them individually. So a lot I got to learn right now. But um, anyway, she's looking at this with her physical eyes, correct? Okay. So uh, it was pleasant to the eyes and uh, a tree desirable, excuse me, a tree desirable to make one wise. Um, yeah, so the second part of it was her actually conceptualizing, okay, man, it would be kind of cool to know these things. It would be really cool to have more wisdom and knowledge, right? So she's, it's kind of a mixture of the eyes of her understanding and what she's seeing in the physical. Clearly, the main part here, the, the spiritual component, which says don't even touch that tree or eat it or look at it or don't mess with that tree, has been out the window. So the word that God has already given her has already been, it's, it's, it's jaded. It's, it's not rooted, correct? So she's using these other sets of eyes to see, and it's enticing to her. Why? Because, I mean, it's, 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 it's the whole point of sin. It's the whole point of, of veering towards things that we know we shouldn't. Um, because if you think about the way our bodies are constructed, God made us from the dirt, correct? So our flesh, if you actually look into it and it decomposes, it goes back into the earth from a, in a, a chemical level, carbon, oxygen, phosphorus, all that stuff, right? So you have this physical body that's made of this earth that has a natural, not natural, because when you're born again, your, your natural changes. Your natural is supernatural. It's not uh, the old, oh, that's just my natural man. No, you're wrong. You need a renewed mind. But basically, it's your 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 physical flesh is is has appetites, right? And it's conducive to the earth or whatever's temptations out here. Then your thoughts will go either according to that diagram, it'll either go towards your spirit or towards your flesh, right? So you shut that Bible, the word of God is no longer piercing between your spirit and soul. What happens? You're gonna go the other way, and it's instantaneous. It's a default. It's not, yeah, I just, you know, I stopped going to church. I stopped praying. I stopped reading. I just kind of slipped in. The minute you make that decision, within the second, by default, it's carnality. It's of your flesh. It's not, and, and that's not to, in the same way, it works the other way. You fall out of it, come back in, just like that. You're restored. You're refreshed. You're renewed, right? So, um, then the eyes of both of them were opened. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. So the point I really wanted to make here was that um, there's different ways of seeing things. And, and if you're not paying attention to, or, or if you're not rooting God's word in your heart, um, then you'll see things wrong just by default. And that comes to healing as well. Um, so let's, how do I put this? So I heard this, this is really cool. It says, uh, temptation is to sin as symptoms are to sickness. Temptation is to sin as symptoms are to sickness. So you can be tempted to sin and not do it, right? Because that's when you lean on God and that's your understanding. You stand firm, you make your confession, right? We, we work through it. Symptoms are the same way. Symptoms will come on you in, in, from a healing standpoint. And, and what they'll do is, They'll get you to say something. They'll get you to do something. They'll get you to forget. I mean, look at the scenario we just had. And what's crazy is Adam and Eve were in right relationship with God. They heard him probably at that point in time better than anyone ever has. Well, technically, yeah, they're the only people on the earth. But the point I'm making is they, they could hear him so clearly, and yet it wasn't rooted correctly. The same thing happens to us. And, and, and what stinks is we're in a seemingly harmless environment, like, say, the doctor's office. My wife's a nurse. I'm, I'm not against... 
uh, healthcare or anything like that. But, but if you're not careful, you can elevate that higher than the word of God, especially because you have someone with a whole bunch of, 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 of initials and things across their name, right? PhD, MD, P, whatever, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, they're extremely educated. But where? In the Bible? In relationship with God? Now, I'm not knocking that. What I'm saying is it's, it's, it's healthcare is, is, is there to assist the pathway that God has for you, okay? So, but, but if you make that the primary way and you don't go to him at all, you, you run into an issue. Um, I mean, I don't, do I have to talk about COVID? I don't want to. I don't like talking about that stuff. Um, but anyway, so you're in an environment where uh, a doctor's office, you have an issue or whatever. You step in, they start to say stuff. Well, and the, and the cool thing about doctors is they'll tell you, they have to list off like, okay, it could be this, 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 this. All of a sudden these ideas start coming. The snake's like, hey, hey, could you, did, did he really say that you were healed? But what about cancer? You thought it was just a knee. That's a tumor. You thought your knee was sore. That's a tumor. What about a tumor? What did, and so the reason I put so much emphasis on renewing your mind daily, daily, I know it's, it's not just, oh, all right, I'll say, it. it's not just a daily devotional. Those are cool, man. They're great. They keep you on track, but it's not just that. You get into your closet and you have a conversation with him, a one-on-one where he's, he's picking at your character and pruning you. And you welcome it. Why? Because if his trajectory for your life is perfection, I want him to take everything off of me that isn't that. Right? And so um, you spend that daily time with him. Uh, imagine you're having a, a conversation with someone, right? Uh, I'm talking to my wife or something, right? And then I leave uh, that conversation. I go do something else. So like, oh, how's your wife? Well, how's everything? And I can tell you right away, I, I, it's not that I just, and me and her have, have history, but I know her nature. I can tell you how, how she's doing. I can tell, right? But if I talked to my wife a month ago and someone's like, how's your wife? What, do you, what does that look like? I've, last time we talked, it, it was, everything was good. Uh, up until now, I'm not, I'm not sh- in the same way. We have to talk to God every day. You're not going to know his will and his, and his intention for your life. You're going to forget. Why? Because life gets in the way. They call this relationship, but some of us, have, well, some of us forget that a relationship takes work. And it's going to take more work on our part. Why? Because he did what he had to on the cross already. Jesus already healed us. Healing is in the spirit. It's this shelf. And this is what, this is, there's, I call it a spiritual shelf. And it has prosperity, healing, uh, uh, provision. It has his plan, his calling. It has everything that he's promised us that's been paid for. And all we do when we get in a relationship with him is say, God, Hey, today I'm renewing my mind. You gave me this scripture. This is pretty cool. Hey, hey, Lord, today, what am I going to need from the shelf? What should I pick off? He's like, man, trials are coming. I told you they'd come. They're going to come. Uh, here, grab this on the uh, grab this healing right here. Grab this. You're going to need it today. You're going to need it tomorrow. You're going to. But here's the thing: you may not need it tomorrow. He might tomorrow, the next day, you re- renew your mind again. It's like, all right, healing's good. Put that back on the shelf. I need you to take this. This is provision for today. Someone's going to try and shut your shut your business down. Someone's gonna, here's another promise, right? This, we have access to all this, but if you're not renewing your mind every single day, it really doesn't serve a purpose. This is just words. This, the relationship was me talking to Kayla a month ago. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's great for the time period that it, that it lasted, but I mean, what, what good does that serve you today? Especially, we t- pastor's been talking about how this year is just supposed to be more intense. And I don't know if you remember, but I think it was a year ago or two years ago where he had said, uh, you have to get, you have to, make your circle small. 
And he said that, which is great for me because my circle is like, like one person and too many people, my kids. But literally, it, he was like, make it even smaller. So I did. And even Kayla knows I sought him every single day. I was like, babe, I got to go. I got to hear. Can you watch the kids? I got to go. And I'd spend time with him. Why? Because my life depends on it. Our lives depend on it. I mean, it's not just a phrase that we say. If you want his will for your life, you can't seek him every now and then and say, God, you know, you said this a week ago. Why, why is it not working? He's like, because today's different. I, it's, 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 if you really love me, right, you'll, you'll worship me in spirit and in truth. That's his Holy Spirit and truth, the word, the word of God, right? So, man, I hate having notes. I never follow them. Um, let's go to... Let's go to Romans 8. We'll start at verse 1. Okay. There is therefore now... No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. That's an awesome scripture. Uh, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, uh, the things of the spirit. So in short, he's talking about Jesus. He's saying what we couldn't accomplish on our own, Jesus did. He died for our sins. He took everything for us. And then uh, he goes into, I love that he goes into the mind, but he's basically saying if, if, uh, you, you'll either think, carnal, carn, think carnally or you'll think spiritually. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, because when you talk about spirit, soul, and body, the way we, we perceive things um, 90% of the time is it's, it's coming through the natural, the physical realm, correct? So we need something in place that checks those things. It's what, one of the things we recognize about faith at our church, right, is that there's more importance that we should put more importance on things that we don't see, uh, things of faith. So he's saying there's a dichotomy here. It's like it's either carnal or it's, or it's uh, spiritual. Um, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God. We talked about that. For it's not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So on its own, with the word, without the word of God, it can't do anything. It's death. Um, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But uh, this is where it gets good. But if you're, well, it's all good. (laughs) But if you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. uh, Now, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Great scripture, right? We say that one a lot right? Um, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead abides in us. If you like, I kind of stopped and thought about that for a second. I was like, okay, 29 years, Jesus was on the earth, right? At some point he knew, hey, that's not my real dad, <laughs> right? When he was looking at Joseph. Um, and and, and the, yet the spirit hadn't ascended upon him yet. 
So for 29 years, um, he just lived his life in the way that he was supposed to, right? And, and in perfect righteous standing with God. That's the whole point. But then when the spirit hits him, that's when all the miracles come. That's when, every, that's when he walks in that power and that authority. Well, when you read scriptures like this, we have to understand that before we were born again, we were just in that 29 years waiting for that spirit to hit. All right. And then what? You get the, uh, you become born again. Then what? Baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Ghost. You get power, actual power, the same power, right? So that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead abides in us. Think about that. The same spirit, the same one where Jesus was walking through that huge crowd, flogging him, right? And this little old lady creeps up on, her, on all fours, pulls on his garment. He says, what is that? What was that? What was that power? The power left him, right? That spirit, that's the one we're talking about. In the same way it flowed through him, right? You're like, what? We're the same as Jesus? No, we actually got it better. I'm sorry, but we do. Jesus said, the more, the more, you'll do more than me. You'll do more miracles. You'll do everything. And I'm just showing you how this is supposed to work. And actually, I'm frustrated because you don't get it yet, but you will, right? But that same power that raised him from the dead abides in us. What? You have to renew your mind to that fact. That's what's so frustrating. We can read the scripture and say, wow, that sounds great. Look, a good message can exhort you, edify you, make you feel great. After this, I'm, it's good preaching, praise God, right? After this, you'll even be like, man, that was great. That was awesome. But here's the deal. That does nothing for your relationship with him. It tells you how to have one with him. It tells you how I do it, and it encourages you. But this, this will not sustain you whatsoever. It won't. It was never meant to. When you hear about... Uh, these healing ministries like uh, Dr. Oral Roberts, Kenneth e. Hagen, right? These, these, these mighty generals of God, okay? Where they had these great meetings where thousands and thousands of people were healed, right? That's, that's fantastic. That's the point. God has mercy on us. But the real intention for that was, for, think about it this way. Let's say I, I find out I've, I've, I, uh, I'm the woman with the issue of blood and I've spent my, all my money all of my life, all of my time trying to get this thing off me and it's still there. And I see Jesus and I crawl over to him. I might die tomorrow. I might die within the next 10 minutes. These mighty healing ministries were set in place for those people. They don't have time. And they receive the truth. They receive it and then you talk later. I guarantee Jesus was like, hey, before you touch me, you born again? Let's talk about being born again real quick. It's, that's not how it works, right? But that's what those things are in place for. Whereas us, it's different. We renew our minds to the word of God so that we could be Jesus in those situations. For someone else who's crawling on the floor, spent their entire life, and they're about to die, and we lay hands on them and they get healed. Why? It's not us. It's the renewal of our mind, the stuff that we know that we walk in, that we are able to walk out, right? Amen. Same thing with uh, the gate, beautiful. Peter and, and uh, John, right? That guy had been, someone carried, that's, that was crazy to me. Someone had carried this dude every day of his life to that, to that temple where he just waited and begged. And all of a sudden, Peter and John show up. It could have been that day that he was going to die. It could have been it. And he was like, uh, you have a quarter? <laughs> Peter was like, nope, get up. And he got him healed. He didn't sit there and talk with him. He didn't sit, he got him healed. Well, God healed him, but you know what I mean, right? So, but, but. He got to that point because of mind renewal. He knew who he was. I guarantee you he spent time with God that day. And I'm pretty sure God was like, hey, there's going to be a guy coming up. Be ready. The Holy Spirit's job is to tell us things to come. That's, that's a pretty sweet deal. <laughs> Amen. Okay. So let's see where I'm going with this. I'm just about done. Hmm. 
oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good word. So let me share a couple of testimonies. Um, the first one, so I do a lot of work at Ball High School. Um, I, I, God gave me a heart for that school. I, I dig the young people, the youth. Uh, they think I'm cool, I think. Um, but anyway, so I was walking in the hall, uh, uh, I think a couple weeks back. And there was a, a woman there who, um, when we met her last year, she uh, was about to have a kid. And so it was cool because Kayla was too. So, I mean, I love kids. I, I, we were just talking about like this, that, and the other, right? And, uh, in, and I hadn't seen her in a while. And then I realized, oh, she probably had her kid. And that's kind of an interesting <laughs> like uh, way to approach things, right? Because you don't know how to ask or whatever. So I was just like, hey, how are things going? I saw her and she was like, good. And I was like, good. Like, I, you don't say like, how was the baby? Like, you just, you keep quiet. So I was like, good. How, everything's good. She's like, oh, you didn't know. And I said, what? And she said, well, there were some complications with the pregnancy. And I said, oh my, okay. And she was like, yeah, uh, he wasn't coming out. There was issues with uh, his oxygen levels. So they had to uh, dislocate his shoulder and uh, cut a clavicle out here and, and yank him out. Uh, they based, that's protocol though, that you, you got to break him to pull him out. And apparently they had, when they dislocated the shoulder, they pinched a nerve. So his arms, uh, out here like this. And, uh, and she explained the whole experience and it was really rough on her. Uh, especially, I mean, you just had a kid and now everyone's like, you know, rushing in the room and they don't tell you anything. They just write it down. And then, uh, and she said that she was coming back to the NICU, the neonatal ICU to visit. And she read his, uh, or diagnosis, right? And so there was just a list of stuff. And she was like, what? I don't know what any of this is. What is this? And they explained it to her and then, and they weren't sensitive about it. Um, there was a lot of, yeah, it's probably going to be this way forever. There's a lot of, uh, you know, right. Luckily she's a woman of faith, praise God. So she saw that she called her pastors and, uh, they prayed. She called her, uh, uh, her mom, who's a prayer warrior. They prayed and you know, all. So she was, she, as she was talking about, I could tell there was an element of faith. So I was like, okay, cool. Uh, so she was, uh, that's what it was. So um, I went ahead and prayed with her. I was like, well, let's pray right now. I agree with you. My wife and I will continue to pray for you. He's going to have that. He's, he's healed. Amen. If you believe he is, he is. And that's, that's, we're walking that out. And she, she told me this great story. She said, yeah, you know, it's crazy. Uh, the other day we went to an appointment for an x-ray and it was completely unrelated. It wasn't on the shoulders or anything. They were checking something out in the stomach and the doctor uh, kept asking about the arm the arm that wasn't moving, right? And uh, it was to the point where it got awkward. And she was like, well, he's here for his stomach. Why are you asking about his arm? And he was like, oh, it's just, that's a very unique case. I had the exact same thing when I was a kid. And he was sitting there typing, doing what he needed to do, right? He was just moving around. He was like, yeah, just my mom worked with me and you know everything was good. And so that instilled a hope in her. She got really excited. She was like, yeah, that was a great story. That was, and, uh, and, and um, yeah, so she was in good spirits. We left, but you know what I thought about? That won't sustain her. That's a great story. And it's encouraging. It encouraged us. Made you feel good, right? But that won't sustain her. She's got to keep going. You got to see that thing through until, it's basically not over until you win. That's the point. Otherwise, Jesus died for not. You have to win. And you got to keep that mindset. But you won't keep that mindset if you don't renew your mind. Last, last thing, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll close. So uh, Kayla and I went through a, uh, uh, well, she did, <laughs> a, uh, uh, what is that? A water birth. 
we were going to do a home birth, but we couldn't find any place. I'm not going to tell you the details. Um, I'm not, it, it, we couldn't find any like nearby, so we had to drive up to a location where they did a water birth. In case you don't know, there's just a, it's basically just a big old tub, and you have a baby in it. You have an NP, a nurse, right? But you don't have any meds. You don't have it. And, and they were faith-based, which is awesome. Because I was, I mean, the whole time we were praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, worship music going. It was all about God. It was unbelievable. And it was at one point where um, Ellie's coming. And uh, she, we were, I had her, we were facing each other. And she was on all fours and I, we were anchored down, man. We were, but I was snaring. I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm going to cry. <laughs> We were staring into each other's eyes, just sobbing joyfully. I mean, she's having a baby. I don't know that pain, but it was glorious. And literally, she was, we, we were contract, I was confessing over whatever. And, and sure enough, you know, the NP was behind her. She can't see any of this going on. And uh, the NP's, you know, feeling for heart rates and stuff. And I could see she was a little concerned. So she looks to the nurse. The nurse runs out of the room, comes back, and she's got a sterile kit. And I went through nursing school. So I know that's typically, not the best thing. Um, but basically she starts setting up stuff on the bed and I see some scalpels, some sharp tools. And I'm like, oh, it's an episiotomy. Now, if you don't know what that is, all it means is they make an incision, they, they make more room in a very sensitive area uh, so that the baby could come out. But at this point in time, let me tell you, all right, I'm looking here, sitting at my wife, we're anchored down, I'm, I'm locking eyes with her, everything's, I see this stuff happening, I realize she has no idea. Here's the deal, it's up to me now. Now, luckily, not luckily, praise God that I'd renewed my mind every single day of that pregnancy. We prayed about what scriptures we were going to say. We prayed about uh, uh, what we wanted it to look like. We mapped it out. We confessed it. I vision, you know that your imagination is not a bad thing when you use it for, the, for, for God? He gave us this glorious imagination, and yet we slip into anxiety and fear, and it, that's that's that's. That's the crummy stuff, man. If you could, I saw that pregnancy before we even had it. And I'm not even having the baby. But I made it a point to use my imagination. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh, it's, it's the enemy. It's fear. It's, I, it didn't bother me one bit. It didn't. Why? Because I talked to God that day. I knew the enemy was going to try anything he wanted, whatever. It didn't bother, but I knew. I was like, I'm not saying nothing to her. (laughs) So I literally just start praying uh, our confession over the pregnancy, how it's going to look, how it's going to go. Ellie comes, no issues, no concern. Um, I mean, baby was fine, no episiotomy, whatever. I actually had to check with her. I was like, did you see any of that? She was like, no. Look, the point I'm making is when you renew your mind, you can walk this stuff out easy, easy. And he, it, these are, and the problem is when you, oh man, I could keep going. The, the issue with these truths is God gives us these very simple truths, right? But when you only peck at them once a week, once a month, once a year, they can become very complicated. Why? Because you're not familiar with them. <laughs> so when you check with God every day, you expose yourself to them, you become a, they become a part of you. They move from his spirit into your soul. And when you move about your day, because the enemy can only really get you out here in the world. That's it. But when you, when you see that stuff, you look at it differently. I almost started laughing. I was like, this is nuts. I was like, there's not going to cut my wife. Are you kidding me? That's not part of my plan. That's not part of what we plan. It's not part of God's plan. All right? Amen? Amen. So I, I just, I implore you guys, when you're looking at healing, just remember a few things. One, you, you, you were healed 2,000 years ago. 
And that doesn't make sense to you now because it's not supposed to. You believe that by faith. There's a shelf in the spirit with everything you need on it, but you won't know how to use any of it if you don't renew your mind every single day and you don't get with the guy who, the instruction manual, (laughs) that right there, and you don't get with him about it because he'll tell you how to do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Josh. Somebody, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, complained to me about Josh. They told me he really is a staff person. He should cut his hair and shave. (laughs) And the only thing I can think of, he wants to be more like Jesus. (laughs) And I said, and if we ever have a play, we have one that's already got Come on now, it's 2023. People are doing crazy stuff. Long hair, beard, you're going to be okay. Amen. Does everybody have a um, implement, communion implement? Element, that's the word I was, who said implement? Somebody said implement. That's, I was looking for element. That's what you get for listening to people. Amen. Amen. We're going to receive communion and we're probably going to go over a little bit, and you can blame it on Josh, because he was supposed to do 15 minutes, and apparently it means do something different to Josh. Just kidding, Josh. We're going to be fine. Yes, we're going to be okay, right? We're going a little bit over. It's going to be okay. We came here to get everything that God had for us. So if we, wait, if we, need, if we go over five minutes, it's, we're going to be okay. Amen. So uh, one of my favorite people in the world. Come on, Chris. I want to thank you. This guy has helped me for over 21 years here in the ministry. And, and before that, he helped us at RMM. He was nine years old. He would, he would help us. But, you know, your greatest accomplishment, I have to tell you, is Jericho. And, you know, I'm just so grateful for him. Great job. Thank you very much. So just like uh, this very nice man, whoever he is, just like he said... <laughs> My name is Christopher, and if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I just want to introduce myself and say uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. And like he said, I've been a part of Island Church for over 20 years, and it's been incredible to be a part of this church. Um, I don't know if you know how fortunate we are to be a part of a church like this, but um, it's been awesome to be a part of these services, and I've gotten to watch our pastors and and how they lead our church with such grace. So I just want to say it's really an honor to stand where you guys stand. So thank you very much for this opportunity. Um, Today, I've been tasked with talking about communion. And so I want to talk just a little bit about what it means and and why we do that. Um, And, you know, this is more, it's more than snack time. Pastor Russie is not concerned about whether your tummy is rumbling or whether you didn't eat dinner because you knew it was casserole night and we've got stuff back there. This is because, oh my gosh, my communion. Okay, sorry. (laughs) There's always something there to humble me. Okay. Um, Anyway, uh, communion is biblical and it's important and it's it's powerful if you understand it. Uh, Communion is also historical. I mean, communion finds its place in the very story of the crucifixion. It's something that Jesus did and it's something that, uh, that Jesus told us to do. And communion is something that we should investigate, and it's something that we should have a sense of familiarity with, because for all intents and purposes, it's a part of who we are. Do you believe that? Amen. 
So as I studied communion, I uh, considered everything that I've been taught and everything I've learned and what I think uh, and what I read and what I saw. And I realized that the first communion or the last supper is a story of somebody following the will of God for their life. And just as a disclaimer, you want to follow the will of God for your life. No matter what age you are, you want to find that and you want to follow that. Um, But God has a plan for us and he has a purpose for us. He has a purpose for you. And there are people whose very salvation could depend on whether or not you follow the will of God for your life. So find it and follow it with your whole heart. You owe it to yourself, you owe it to God, and you owe it to others to find out what that will is and and to do what he's called you to do and, and where he's called you to do it and who he's called you to do it with. Amen? So another thing that I notice when I read the communion story is that it's all fun and games until the person that you've been talking about is in the room with you. Um, it gets really real, really fast. Uh, my wife, Isabella, and I have been married for two years. And um, when you're not married, it's easy to say, eventually one day my spouse will do this, this, this. And my, my spouse one day will be just like this. And then when we started dating, we got to this place that I remember very vividly where it stopped being one day my wife or one day my husband, and it started being, okay, you you will be a part of these things, right? You're going to do this like this all the time, right? There's always, you're going to fold your clothes correctly every time, right? Just so, I, just so I know. Okay, those kinds of things. And it was really interesting. I uh, got really real really fast because now there's somebody to talk back to me. So when I'm like, oh, yeah, my wife is going to follow me around as I jet set around the world, and she's going to pick up my laundry, she's going to fold it, it's going to be so nice and wonderful. And she began to say, wait a second, I'm going to do that, a grown woman, you want me to do that. And what am I supposed to do? Just fold my hands while you do whatever God's called you to do, and I'll just sit back here quietly, I suppose, because God hasn't called me to do anything. And there's a, you know, so we had all of those conversations. She straightened me out very quickly. Thank God. Thank God for strong, patient wives. Amen? Uh, it, it gets really real when the person that you're talking about is in the room. I remember whenever we were talking about having Jericho. He's our son. He was just up here. Um, And I remember we were, you know, you see other people's kids. (laughs) You see other people's kids. You see your kids. No, uh, we see other people's kids, and you think, my kid is never going to do that. My kid will never, ever do whatever that kid is doing over there. My kid is never going to be shoeless in Costco. That would be so weird. Why would my child, my child would never do that. My child would never scream in a restaurant. My child is going to know that you have decorum, and you sit and you eat with your utensils. You don't make a mess on the floor. All those important things. Um, but then, then Jericho shows up. And the person that I've been talking about is in the room with me. And it was completely different. Let me just tell you, um, Jericho is so much better than I could have imagined. But he has challenged me in ways <laughs> that I did not know that I could be challenged. He does not like to wear shoes. Sometimes he'd rather chew on his shoes. He wants to be shoeless in Costco. He's never worn a shoe before in his life. He doesn't want to put one on. Definitely not to go to Costco. Uh, and when we go to restaurants, he doesn't wait until the food comes quietly. He doesn't sit and uh, respectfully uh, concern for everybody else's space. He's yelling and screaming sometimes. Sometimes he's using, he just used a restroom on the front row. Um, it's not, he never raises his hand and says, uh, listen, if it's convenient, if everybody's okay with it, I'm just going to go ahead and use the restroom so you guys can change the diaper. No, 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 no. It's always after we've gotten ushered to our table with three bags that he makes us carry around and then we get there and then the food is there. Finally, it's a hot meal in front of us. And I'm like, babe, it's so good to finally get to have a hot meal with you. Is he doing what? Yes, he is. Okay. 
Is it your turn or is it my turn? Okay, I'll do it. It's fine. It's fine. No, he never asks. It's, uh, he's changed the way we think. Um, that's not what I want to do before I have sushi. I've tried explaining that to him, but he doesn't listen. Things get real whenever the person you're talking about is in the room with you. And uh, when we think about communion, it's impossible to get away from the story of the Last Supper. You have to tell that story, right? Uh, the story is reported four different times uh, in the Gospels and then again in Corinthians. And if you remember anything from school, and for some of us, it's been a really long time since we've been in school, but if you try really hard, you can remember that when something is repeated over and over and over again, it's because it's important. And this story's in there five times. And so I think that if the Bible mentions it five times, it's probably gonna come up on the test of our lives, amen? And uh, so the word communion, if you've never heard that word before, it's not a word that we use a lot, but the word communion means uh, the act of sharing. Uh, very simply, and it's when believers, that's us, gather together to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. When, uh, when we mention uh, the communion stories about following the will of God for your life, I firmly believe that, and Jesus is our premier example of how to live life through and how to follow God's will. We know that the Last Supper happened during Passover, and Passover is beautifully orchestrated. It's a, it's a festival uh, where the meal is a part of the message. It's so cool if you get to look at every piece of the meal means something. It's a part of their story. And what's so cool about the children of Israel is that's how they taught their kids. They constantly included food, which I think is really neat, and they taught them this is who we are. And this is the story of where you come from. Don't ever forget this. Every year we're going to do this. Every, every year we're going to look at this. Every year we're going to talk about this. And you will not forget where you come from. And that's so important. Um, uh, but God gave specific instructions to them. He told them in Exodus, this is how the dinner should be constructed. This is what you're going to make. And uh, they had, at this point that we're about to talk about, it's been done for more than a thousand years. Jesus organizes a dinner for his disciples, and that's where our story begins, okay? So the festival is a time of, of celebration, of remembering how good God is, and it's a special meal with the people that you love. And by paltry comparison, it's kind of like our Thanksgiving. It's a huge meal, specific foods, hang out with the people that you love. The disciples show up, and Jesus already has the food prepared for them. And Jesus was in a room with the people that are closest to him in ministry. And while they're enjoying this meal, Jesus begins to reveal to them that this is the last Passover that he would be a part of. And the temperature in the room obviously is affected. I mean, it goes from Thanksgiving dinner vibes to the palpable feeling that's left when the doctor says your loved one has moments left to live. It's a, it's, it's a clock counting backwards. The disciples' minds have got to be overwhelmed with the weight and the realization that Jesus is, is leaving. This could be, this is the moment that the generations before them have lived and died believing for. But Jesus was more than they ever could have imagined. This moment was also heavier and more difficult than they could have possibly prepared for. And it's that moment where at the same time that everything is fast forwarding, you want everything to just slow down. Just wait. Just wait. I have to catch my breath. Accounts between the versions of the story, understandably, um, get jumbled up in the different versions throughout the Bible. And some of the details get rearranged in the different accounts. But we know 
that Jesus is aware. Sorry, I thought you got up and were leaving. I was like, okay, I'm trying to hurry. I know, I know. I gotta. Okay, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> so the accounts, the versions of the story are a little different, but all the details are, sim- are similar throughout. We know that in this, in this scenario, in this atmosphere, where Jesus has just revealed this is the end, we find out that one of his disciples has betrayed him. He's in the act of betraying him, and he knows about it. Um, somebody has already decided in their heart that they're going to betray him and to sell him out. And it was somebody who has seen the outpouring of love, and they've seen the healing, and they've seen the help. And, and, and still, in spite of it all, one of the select few has chosen to allow the devil to twist his mind and infect his thinking. It's in that atmosphere that Jesus decides to honor them, to serve them, all of them, including the double-crosser. He kneels and washes their feet one by one, and then he leads them in the first communion. It's bread and wine compared to his body and his blood. It's like a children's church-level example. Bread is for breaking and sharing, and wine is for consuming. They all knew that the Messiah was for atonement, that his body was for sacrifice. And since they were little kids, they were taught the deliverer is coming, but now he's here. And he was wonderful. He was their friend. And he saw, he saw them when nobody else would. And, and, and he called them when nobody else would call them. And he loved them when they thought they were unlovable. All their lives had taught them that the Messiah would be the last sacrifice it's fun and games until the person that you're talking about is in the room. And as much as the story of the Last Supper is a gripping and and it's an emotional piece of who we are, it's also a master class in what it takes to follow the will of God for your life. See, Jesus did everything that he could to maintain the integrity of what God had called him to do. He fought, even in that dinner, to stay in the will of God for his life. So my question to all of us is this. When you've sought asked, and when you have found the will of God for your life, will you fight to stay in it? He was backstabbed by his own people. Don't forget that. He was betrayed by the people that were closest to him. And he chose to serve them, and he chose to love them, and to feed them, and to spend money on them. His own mind, and his body, and his will, and his emotions even tried to convince him to give up. But he overcame them, and he surrendered them one by one. And I want to encourage you that as we take communion tonight, when you find the will of God for your life, fight like heaven to stay in it. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 23, the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Let's take that bread and wine. You can go ahead and pop it back. You can go ahead and have some of that. I don't know. How do you say that? You eat, you just eat that thing that's in there, please. <laughs> what good is bread that sits on a shelf? What good is anything that sits on a shelf? You purchase bread because it's meant to be used. Amen? Do this in remembrance of me. That's what he was saying. I'm doing this voluntarily. That's what I'm here for. That's the whole reason that I'm here. Verse 25, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, 
The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this when you drink it in remembrance of me. You can go ahead and have some of the juice. Let's not forget that his life, like I said, was given freely and it was given voluntarily. Amen. For whenever you eat this bread, verse 26, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's, that's not a morbid request. Amen. It means that we must always remember that Jesus gave himself for us because he sees value in us and he has a plan for us and a will for us. We have to know that. The scripture goes on to say in verse 28, a man or woman ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink of the cup. And I encourage you today uh, to, to view your commitment and what, it, what God has called you to do and how you're fighting to stay in it. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father God, we love you so much. Thank you for bringing us here to this communion service. Thank you so much for sending Josh with that incredible word. Lord, we're so grateful for the gift that you've given us at Island Church and the folks that minister here when you gave yourself. Lord, we love you so much. It's such an honor to serve you. Lord, we bless you today. We thank you that as we read your word, we can compare ourselves, study ourselves, investigate our own hearts as they're to the, the word of God. Lord, we love you and we thank you that as we go, no matter how we travel, we're protected in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.